All right, ladies, we're going for real. It's really happening. All right. If you are tuning in online, we are on location at the great iconic Camp Gan Yisrael, Detroit, with the. You can make noise, it's okay. <laughs> Uh, um, with the staff, yeah, of uh, yeah, okay. of the girls' camp. Okay, it is Chof of the Rebbe's father's yortzeit, and the Rebbe actually told us how to observe his father's yortzeit in a in a letter from Matzatishabov Tavshimem Dalad. The Rebbe said clearly that you, there should be a, his father, so a gathering, and that at the gathering, what should happen is lilmaid to study, and also lenadev to give tzedakah. So we should, you can follow it up by, by giving tzedakah. Mitairase, from his father's Torah. Now, that's difficult because if you've ever studied the Rebbe's father's Torah, it's very, very dense. That means every line is full of multiple references and meanings. It's also very, very technical. You have to know a lot of Kabbalistic terminology and background. There's a lot of gematria and math and just sometimes adding up the numbers can be, can make your head spin. So it's not easy to learn the Rebbe's father's Torah, but that's what the Rebbe said. The Rebbe said that the way to properly observe his father's Yahrzeit is to learn from his actual Torah. Now, there's much, much more of the Rebbe's father's Torah that was written that we don't have yet. However, we do have precious volumes of the Rebbe's father's Torah. Some of it, I'm sure you know, was smuggled out after the Rebbe's father's passing and that was uh, much of it written in margins of the few books that the Rebbe's father had while he was in exile. Um, written with ink that was prepared by the Rebbe Tzinchana herself. But there are also, in addition to those writings, there are letters that the Rebbe's father wrote to the Rebbe. And the letters are not just, hi, how are you doing, how's the weather? The letters are very, very, very deep Torah from the Rebbe's father. So what we're going to do tonight, we're going to learn a little bit, just a taste. I just want to give you an experience of the Rebbe's father's style. We're going to learn a letter, parts of a letter, from, that the Rebbe's father wrote to the Rebbe on Yud Aleph Nissen, that's the Rebbe's birthday, Tov Reish Tzadik Ches, 1938. That means the Rebbe was turning how old? You do, if you can't do that math, then when you start getting into the complex gematria, you get 36. And the whole letter is actually about the mystical significance of the number 36. And it's like six pages long of deep Kabbalah about the number 36, and specifically why the number 36 is connected to the idea of fatherhood. Um, the, the Rebbe and the Rebbetson were married in 1928. Am I doing the right English date? So this, 29, so this letter is coming up to 10 years of the Rebbe and the Rebbetson being married, and they don't, they don't have children yet. Now, we try to avoid digging into personal family business and things like that, obviously, but I want to tell you something. The Rebbe's father is writing to the Rebbe clearly about the spiritual significance of being a father, why this, everything going on in the world 
and in the Rebbe's life right now is sort of coming together to be the perfect time for fatherhood. And in the end of the letter, the Rebbe's father clearly states, I'm blessing that you and your wife should become a mother and a father. Okay, so as much as we want to be respectful of the Rebbe and the Rebbe's personal life and the Rebbe's father and the Rebbe's mother, the Rebbe's father is clearly talking about blessings for children to his son and his daughter-in-law who have now at this point been married for almost 10 years without children. Okay? Um, so I just want us to have that in mind when we're learning this. It's not just technical, mystical concepts. This is deeply personal. It's deeply personal and um, obviously you could read it just and enjoy the Kabbalah, but this is an emotional letter of blessing and hope from a father to a child. Um, okay, if that sets the mood adequately, maybe let's just take a look. So just to begin with, everyone has, I mean, I don't know if everyone has a paper, but there are enough papers that those who want to look in can, can look in. Yeah, okay, all right. So the letter starts off, the, the Rebbe's father addresses his son, Bni Yehuvi, Chavivi, Vekiri, my beloved son, my dear son, and also Kalosi, my, my daughter-in-law, Hayakara, my dear daughter-in-law, the Rebbe Tzinchaya Mushka. Hayem Bni Yichya, hu yem aladis shalcha shamala lecha shleishim v'sheish shana, Today, my son, meaning Yod Aleph Nissen, is the day that you are completing 36 years. May they be good, long years, pleasant years, together with your wife, my daughter-in-law. Shahamisper Lamed Vav, Yeshloi Mailigdoila, the number 36 has very special significance. The Rebbe is turning 36, so we're going to talk about the number 36. Vuhu, Kihu Makkad the Kold Neshamas Yisrael, and that is because the source of all Jewish souls. Are the three patriarchs and the twelve tribes. Okay, what does the three patriarchs and twelve tribes have to do with 36? Three plus 12, 15, what, what does that have to do with 36? And this idea of the three patriarchs and the twelve tribes is hinted to in the month, this month, the Rebbe's birthday, Yod Aleph Nissen, the month Nissen. How's Nissen, three patriarchs and twelve tribes? And how's it 36? Hanikra Chodesh Ha'aviv, and this month Nissen has another name in Torah. It's not called Nissen, it's called Chodesh Ha'aviv, the spring month. Okay. So what's Aviv? Aviv who? Aleph base, Yud base. Okay, yeah, that's how you spell Aviv. Aleph, base, it's four letters. Aleph, base, Yud, base. That's how you spell Aviv. Aviv means the spring month. It's another name for Nissan. Okay. Aleph, base, who, Ashlesha, Aves, is the three patriarchs. Why is Aleph, base, the three patriarchs? The simplest reason. And I just want you to see here and appreciate how many layers there are to every detail. Aleph base is the three patriarchs. Why? Because Aleph is one, base is two, one plus two is three, three patriarchs. Okay, so far so good. Yeah? All right. So Aleph base is the three Aves. Hanir Mazim Aleph base, that are hinted to in those letters, Aleph base. Shmispare Gimel, which is the number three, one, Aleph one, base two, one plus two is three. But now watch, we're going to go to another level. Avram, the first of the three patriarchs is Avraham. 
And the third of the three patriarchs is Yankiv. So if you say Avram Yitzchok Yankiv, the beginning, the first name, the first letter of the first name is Aleph. And the last letter of the last name, Avram Yitzchok Yankiv, is base. So Aleph base is not only the number three in Gematria, but Aleph base is the first letter of the first name, the last letter of the last name of the three patriarchs. So another layer of significance. Va'av shehu misper gimel. Now he gets another layer of detail. Of which means father which is spelled with two letters, Aleph and Beis, which is the Gematria 3. You know, you could get the number 3 with different combinations. You could have Aleph, Aleph, Aleph. Or you could have Gimel. Why is it Aleph, Beis? See, everything's precise. Everything is exactly precise. So why? We're trying to get the number 3. But why do we get the number 3 with an Aleph and a Beis? So he explains here, Ki Avram shehu avarishain, hu ha'adam agadu ba'anokim. Avram was special, he was the giant. He was uniquely great. V'hu ha'mashkaif, and in, in, in Medrash, he's called the mashkaif, the door, what's it called, the, the top of the door. V'yitchok v'yankif heim shtei ha'mazuzais, Yitzchak, his son, Yankiv, his grandson, are called the two doorposts. So imagine that. The two doorposts, and Avram is the top of the doorway. In the Medrash Parshas Bay, when it's speaking about Parshas Bay, you know what mitzvah is? I mean, there's a few mitzvahs, but the Korban Pesach and Parshas Bay? Yeah? So over there, when they did the Korban Pesach, they had to put the blood on the door. So it speaks there about the idea of the doorway has three dimensions. It has the top and has the two sides. So Avram is the top and Yitzchok and Yankiv are the, are the two sides. V'hu al he says, this is similar to Kaser Chochma Bina, Shekaser Gufa Kele Chochma Bina. That in Sphirois, the sphere of Kaser, which is higher than Chochma and Bina, includes within it Chochma and Bina. In other words, Avraham being not only the first of the Aves, but the greatest of them, includes within him the two other Aves. Hainu, Mashba Avraham, Gufa, Yesh, Oisius, Aleph, Beis, Kisidran, Achra, Ois, Aleph, Beis. Avraham's name itself starts with what two letters? Aleph, Beis which hints to the idea of the three Aves, because Avram sort of includes within him all of the Aves. And that's why we use Aleph base to total three, because the way it's structured is you have the Aleph, Avram by himself with his special significance, and then base Yitzchak and Yankiv, who in a way are included within Avram, and that's why Avram's name starts with Aleph base. You following all this? Okay, and this is just like the first five lines of the letter, and it goes on and on and on at this level of detail, and just when he explains one la layer of significance, he goes deeper to another layer of, of significance, and the patterns just keep repeating and re-emerging in different ways, and it's just, it's mind-boggling. Okay, I'm just going to give you an, a little bit more here, and then I'll, I'm going to skip around. Yud base. Okay, so what's with the Yud base? We didn't say the Yud base yet. We said Aviv. Remember, the month of Nisan is also called Aviv, which is spelled Aleph base, Yud base. So we said that, uh, that we break it into two. Aleph base is three, the three Aves. And then you have what's the, the other part? Yud base, which is, we said, remember? Twelve tribes. And remember, we're trying to make all of this somehow connected to what number? 36. Very good. Okay, <laughs> so he says Yud base is Yehuda bin Yamin, because after the ten tribes were exiled, the tribes that remained was Yehuda and bin Yamin. Yehuda and bin Yamin is what letters? Yud base. <laughs> okay, um, 
So they represent all of the Shvatim. And then, I'm going to skip a little bit further down the page, where he says, with the, the beginning of the line, Yud Beis Roshetevis Yehuda Ben Yamin, that Yud Beis 12, which is the 12 tribes, is Yud Beis, is Yehuda Ben Yamin, because the two tribes that remain behind re- represent all of the tribes. V'hagimul Oves, Kulam Heim Oves Lechol Shevet Veshevet, Mahayud Beis Shvatim. The three patriarchs are patriarchs to each of the twelve tribes. Now there's your 36. Did you follow that? I didn't follow it the first time either. How am I getting 36 from Oviv? From Aleph Beis, Yud Beis? I'll explain to you. <laughs> and if you understand it, you're going to understand the function of a father and the role of a father. Maybe it'll make you more impressed with your father. A father has to view every child as an only child. You know, there's a story a guy told the Rebbe, I don't understand what happened. I gave all of my children the same education. And some were I, I was successful with, and others I wasn't successful with. And the Rebbe said, that was the problem. You can't give every child the same education. Yeah, every child is unique. So a father who has, let's say, 12 sons, like the Aves have the 12 tribes. Each of the three Aves, follow this, are showing up uniquely with a unique relationship for each of the 12 tribes. So it's not three Aves plus 12 tribes. It's not three plus 12, which would be 15. It's three times 12, which is 36, because Avram had to have 12 different modes of being in order to relate to each of the 12 tribes. Yitzchak, as a father, had to have 12 modes of being to relate to all 12 tribes. And, and, and Yankiv had to have 12 different modes of being to relate to all 12 tribes. So each of the three Aves are showing up in 12 different ways so they can have a unique relationship appropriate to each of the 12 tribes. So now you have 3 times 12, 36. Okay. Now, I want to tell you another thing. The Nebuchadnezzar's father starts talking about, obviously we're talking about the idea of fatherhood already, and the relationship between a father and a child. So now the Nebuchadnezzar's father says that Lamed Vav, that 36, is the number of mother and father. Not just father, but mother and father. A husband and a wife who have children and become mother and father. Where do you get that from? Because there's another way to break down Lamed Vav. 36. 36 divided by 2 is 18. 18 is a famous number. That's when your aunt writes you a, a check for your birthday. It's always 18, right? What's 18? Chai. So 2 times Chai means that the mother comes with her Chaius, with her vitality, her energy, her motherly energy. A father, the husband, comes with his masculine, fatherly energy. And you have a mother and a father, each with their potential to create life. They get together. 18 Chai plus 18 Chai, mother and father together, what do they create? A child, which is represented by the number 36. The Rebbe's father also says that this is the idea of Be'artzois hachayim. That's an expression from from Tilim, Ba'artzisachayim, in the life of the, in the land of, of the living. It's not hachay, it's hachayim, plural. Two lives. The, fa- the, the life that the father contributes, the life that the mother contributes, and that's the 36. Okay. Now that Abba's father starts speaking about the fact, I'm sure you've heard this idea before, 
that there are three general categories of blessing that a person requires. I've heard this concept before. Blessings of family, blessings of health, and blessings of livelihood, money, sustenance. Okay. So here he explains that these three categories of blessing are right, left, and center. In Kabbalah, we speak a lot about right, left, and center. We organize things a lot of times in that way. And generally, that's chesed, gvura, tiferes, if we're speaking about emotions, or if it's intellect, it, 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 it's chokhmah, bina, das. We organize things a lot on a right axis, a left axis, and a center axis. And what do you know? I'm, you may have heard this before. The center axis is always the one that includes both extremes. It's not just balanced in the middle, but it's higher than both extremes and includes both of them. Similar to the idea that we learned earlier, remember, that Avram is like the top of the doorpost, which includes within him Yitzchak and Yankiv. And do you remember the spheres that he mentioned over there? What? Do you, do, do you remember? Kesser, Chochmah, Bina. Kesser is like the top of the doorpost, which includes within it the Chochmah and the Bina. Okay. So now he starts to explain that the blessings for children come from the center axis, which corresponds in intellectual spheres. You guys heard of Chabad before? Right? Chabad, what's Chabad? Chachma bin Adas. So if you organize Chabad to right, left, and center, do you know how to organize it? Which is, which is on the right? And which is on the left? And what's, what's in the center? Das. So he says that the blessing for children is in the center, which is Das. And that's why the first birth that we have in the Torah, first pregnancy, the first birth, was Adam Yoda as Chava. That Adam knew Eve because Das is having children. Okay. Now, let's, uh, I'm going to skip uh, around a little bit. He says that this number, 36, is connected also to a yomtiv, to a holiday. Which holiday? Hanukkah. Why Hanukkah? Because one plus two plus three plus four plus five plus six plus seven plus eight is 36. What does that have to do with Hanukkah? On the first night you light one candle, the second night you light two candles, and so on and so forth. So at the end of the whole Hanukkah, how many candles have you lit? 36, okay. So the Rebbe's father says that the Gemara in Shabbos, daf, uh, I think Chav Gimel, Amit Beis, says, Harogul Bener, somebody who's careful to light candles, and it means over there in that context, Shabbos candles and Hanukkah candles. Actually, there's a discussion over there about the priorities. What do you do when you can only have one or the other? There's a whole discussion. But it's talking about ner, candle means Shabbos candles and Hanukkah candles. So someone who's careful to always have Shabbos candles and Hanukkah candles, what's going to happen, it says, the Gemara says, Shabbos. He's going to merit to have children who are Torah scholars. So 36 is the Hanukkah candles, the reward for lighting Shabbos candles as well, but also Hanukkah candles is that you're going to have what? Children. Okay. The Hanukkah, now interestingly enough, when does Hanukkah, in what Parsha does Hanukkah come out? When does it coincide? 
And by the way, this is something that the Rebbe would speak about very often. The original concept is from the Shalah. He says that the, when you have a Yamtif, so the Parsha that you read that week, which coincides with that Yamtif, even if overtly they're not connected, they are connected. If you look, there's a connection. So Hanukkah, usually what Parsha is that, is that week, is Miketz. Okay. You guys remember Parsha's Miketz? Shisham Kosov, that over there is written, Mileidas b'nei Yosef menashef Ephraim, Sheheim banim tamidichachamim, that in Parshas Miketz, what does it write about? The births of two sons, Ephraim and Menashe, the sons of Yosef, and they were Tamirei Chachamim. So that's another connection to Hanukkah, which is connected to 36, again reinforcing the connection of having children to the number 36, which is the Rebbe's birthday that year. Now in parentheses, I'll just throw this out there and I'll see if you guys even react to this because when I read this, I got the chills. But maybe I'm just reading too much into it. How do we know that Ephraim and Menashe are bonim tamir chachamim? Maybe they're just regular sons. How do we know that they're special sons? The proof for that is because when we bless people, a bless a child, we say, you should be like Ephraim and Menashe. But you know what that expression is? Becho Yevarech Yisrael. You ever heard that? You guys ever heard that? <laughs> How long have you guys been Lubavitch? <laughs> Every Chav Beishvat, I'm sure you heard that. The Rebetzin's yard site, obviously you're talking about 50 years after this letter, but it's Chav Beishvat, and the Rebbe connected Chav Beis to the word Becha and to that Posik Becha Yevarech Yisrael. Okay, whatever. I'm not saying that this is a reference, but I can't help but read it and say, interesting. All right, just whatever. Do, what, do with it as you will. Now, he continues and he says that Hanukkah is connected to Yitzchak of the three Aves. Why is it connected to Yitzchak? Because the Zayar says that Yitzchak is connected to the Menorah. Now, maybe it's the Menorah of the Beis Hamikdash. The Rebbe's father says, no, it's not the Menorah of the Beis Hamikdash. And I'll tell you how I know. <laughs> the Rebbe's father is explaining what the Zayar means. The Zayar doesn't say clearly which Menorah it is. The Rebbe's father says, because when you organize the Oves on right, left, center axes, which side is Yitzchak on? Do you know? Yitzchak is Gvura. He's on the left. Avram is Chassid. Yitzchok is Gvura. Yankiv is Tiferes. So he says that in the Beis Hamikdash, the Menorah was on, do you know what side? On the south. And if you would enter, the south would be on your right. But Yitzchok doesn't belong on the right. So that when the Zayar says the Menorah is connected to Yitzchok, it can't mean the Menorah in the Beis Hamikdash, because Yitzchok's on the left, the Menorah in the Beis Hamikdash is on the right. But I'll tell you what Menorah is on the left. Which Menorah is on the left? The Hanukkah Menorah. Why is it on the left? Because you put it in the doorway opposite the mezuzah. The mezuzah is on the right, the Menorah is on the left. So Yitzchok is connected to Hanukkah. Okay. And what does that have to do with anything? The Yitzchok hispal al boning. Yitzchok, we know, davened for children. It says, the Yatr Yitzchok la Hashem. Yitzchok beseeched Hashem. And specifically, he was davening, not like Avram and Yankiv, the other three of us who had, who took uh, maids in order to procreate before their wife could uh, have children. But Yitzchok specifically was davening he should have children with Rivka. So the connection again to davening successfully for children with your wife is Yitzchok. And by the way, when did Yitzchak start davening? How many years was he married to Rivka? 
10, 10 years, 10 years. And this letter is written when the Rebbe and the Rebbetzin are about to be married for 10 years. By the way, how old was Yitzchak when he finally did have a child? Do you remember? 60. At the end of the letter that Rebbe's father mentions, do you know what the Rebbe's father's birthday is? Yud Chasnissen. So the Rebbe's father says that this, now this letter was written when? Yud Aleph Nissen. A week later is the Rebbe's father's birthday. You know, the Rebbe's bris was on his father's birthday. So at the end of the letter, the Rebbe's father says that when you, my son, and my daughter-in-law will have a child, this will be a good year for it because this year on Yud Ches Nissen, I'll be turning 60. <laughs> and like Yitzchak, and by the way, what's the Rebbe's father's name? Levi Yitzchak. I'll be turning 60 like Yitzchak Avinu turned when he finally had a child. And Yitzchak is connected to the Menorah, which is how many candles? 36. Okay, I'm just, I'm skipping lots of stuff here, and I'm just trying to show you the complexity of the pattern of how at every turn that Rebbe's father is bringing out connections on, on, on so many levels. Okay, now, um, I'm going to skip ahead to the, uh, to the next page. Another connection to children. Venison, I'm on page Tof Yud Tess. And you see there's a paragra paragraph break there. I'm at the top of the paragraph. Venison and Nikra Chedesh Aviv. Yeah, we said that earlier at the beginning. That Nisan is also known as Chedesh Aviv. It has another name. Nisan is called Aviv. Sha'aviv made al Misper Lamed Vav Canal. And as we said, Aviv is 36. Remember how we got 36 out of Aviv? Aleph Beis is three, three fathers. Yud Beis is 12, 12 tribes. Three times 12 because each of the fathers shows up uniquely for all of his sons. So it's as if each of the Aves existed on 12 different modes simultaneously. You hit 36. And what happens in Aviv is the father becomes the father of the child. And what is that connected to? The fact that When did Yitzhiz Mitzrayim happen? When, when is Pesach? When did we go, what date in Nisan or Aviv did we actually go out of Mitzrayim? What? What date? Tezvav. Right? Pesach is Tezvav because we went out of Mitzrayim. Tezvav, Tezvav is 15. Right? Kemisper Aviv. Did you count the gematria of the whole word Aviv? Aleph base, Yud base is what? Aleph is one, base is two, Yud is ten, another base is another two. So one plus two plus ten plus two? Fifteen. So <laughs> the Aviv of Aviv, meaning like double Aviv, is of all the dates of the month of Aviv, the, the, the 15th day of Aviv is the date where the number of that date is the same gematria as the name of the whole month. So if the 15th of Aviv is like double Aviv. And that's why what happened on the 15th of, of Aviv, of Nisan, we went out of Mitzrayim. Yeah, I know, but what is Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, what is the exodus from Egypt likened to? I'm sure you've heard this concept before. The birth of the Jewish people. That Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is birth. And furthermore, when we observe and commemorate going out of Egypt, and we make our Seder, what's the whole mitzvah there at the Seder? Who are we speaking to? The Son. The whole Seder is based on the premise of answering the Son, telling our children the story of what happened to us when Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Rebbe's father says that the Golas in Mitzrayim had to do with the decrees that Parai 
made against our sons, the genocide of the Jewish children, and the redemption, therefore, was the celebration of the ability to bring children into the world and raise them. And that's why we celebrate it, by having our children ask the questions. Now, I'm sure you've heard about the concept of the four sons. Keneged arba bonim right? Tater speaks about four sons. All right, so four. But you know what the, the, the Rebbe's father says here? There's not four sons. There's five sons. How are there five sons? He says how there are five sons. Because when it says that there are four sons, it says, Echod, before each one of them, right? Echod Chochem, Ve'echod Rosha, Ve'echod Tam, Ve'echod She'ene Yedei Elisha, right? So he says, do this. Take that word Echod before each of those sons. What is Echod? Aleph, Ches, Dalet. Aleph is one. Ches is eight. Dalet is four. You with me? Okay, one, eight, four is 13. One plus eight is nine. Plus four, 13. Okay, so Echad is 13. How many times does it say Echad? Before each one of the sons. So how many times does it say Echad? Four. And what is Echad? Echad is what, Gematria? 13. So 13 happens how many times? 4. 13 times 4? 52. What's 52? Nun base, or flip it. Base nun, ben, son. So really, there are five sons because there's a hidden fifth son. It says explicitly the four sons, but if you add up the echod, 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 you get a hidden 52, which is a fifth son. Now I want to ask you a question. You guys have been Lubavitchers for a while. I'm sure you heard about the fifth son. Where is that from? The Rebbe. Do you know even more specifically the source? It's a Michtov Klali from Tov Shin Yud Zion. From 1957, the Rebbe used to write many Michtovim Klalium. These were letters that were not sent to an individual, but they were written to the entire Jewish people, all sons and daughters of Israel everywhere. And generally, the Rebbe would write these letters in conjunction with special holidays. Very often, a letter was written before Pesach. This particular letter was written on Yud Aleph Nissen, the Rebbe's birthday, which is just a few days before Pesach. And in this letter, the Rebbe said, we speak about the four sons, but you want to know something? Even the Rasha, the one we call wicked, at least he's at the Seder causing problems. He's there. Okay, maybe he's uh, a little standoffish, but he's there. He came to the Seder. There's really a hidden fifth son, the Rebbe says. The son who didn't even know to come to the Seder or doesn't feel welcome at the Seder. He didn't show up. He's a no-show. So the Rebbe writes in this Michtov Klali that our mission in this generation is to find that fifth child who's not even present at the Seder and bring them to the Seder. So this is a famous concept. In fact, if, if, I, if, I, if I had to tell you, like, if I had to pick a concept from the Rebbe that sort of embodies the Rebbe's entire worldview and the Rebbe's entire mission statement, this would probably be on the short list. This idea of the fifth son. The idea of we cannot have our Seder without the Jew who is disenfranchised and needs to be brought back home. So this is like a quintessential concept of the Rebbe. But where did the Rebbe get the idea of the fifth son from, what do we see? From a letter from his father, from Yud Aleph Nissen. So Yud Aleph Nissen, Tov Reish Tzadik 1938, the Rebbe got a letter from his father about the fifth son. And then in 1957, so 19 years later, 
on the same date on Yud Aleph Nisan, the Rebbe is writing a letter about the fifth son. Now the Rebbe didn't say he got it from his father and that it's Kabbalistic and it's really hidden and hinted to in the words of the Haggadah. The Rebbe just said there's a fifth son. He doesn't even know to come to the Seder. Go out and get him. But now we know that the idea of the fifth son that the Rebbe spoke about in which is so essential to the Rebbe's whole call of action that we need to bring in all of our brothers and sisters. That idea really comes from his father. And that his father taught him how it's Kabbalistically hinted to in the words of the Haggadah itself. Now, um, why five sons? Because this connects us back to Hanukkah. Because, the Rebbe's father says, (laughs) the leader of the Maccabees, had five sons. (laughs) So five sons is Hanukkah. Hanukkah is how many candles? 36. We're back to 36. Okay. All right. Um, There's so much more here. But then the Rebbe's father says directly, Uvechein, atobni. Therefore, you, my son, since you, this month, are going to turn 36, you're going to complete 36 years. The Rebbe's father gives a bracha that in this year, that you and your wife should become this year a father and a mother to a living child. Va'oz, and then, eh, yeah, I will be ani of Zokin leben bini, a grandfather. And, there, and here's where he says, Shebechai Nisan, that this year, meaning in seven days henceforth, I will be coming, I will be turning 60 years old. And like I told you earlier, 60 is what? You guys remember? The age of. Yitzchak, when he had a child, that was father at Levi, Yitzchak turning 60. Yeah. So I, 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 there's so much more here, but I want to tell you on a personal note, I have a friend who told me that I should seek out anyone I know who has fertility problems and tell them that their trip to Almata to go to the Rebbe's father's oil is covered. Um, and why did he reach out? And he told me he wanted to do this anonymously. Why did he reach out and tell me this? He said because he and his wife could not have a child. And he went to Almata last year and he said to the Rebbe's father, um, I'm here because your son wants to honor you give me a child, work it out, then my wife and I should have a child who can honor us. And this year, after many years of waiting for their blessing, this year it came through, after his visit to Almata. So he told me, you find anyone who has, who's waiting for Yeshua in this particular area of life, you, let that, you, you just send me their passport, and I'll uh, get them on the plane. It's paid for. Now, I want to ask you a question. If the Rebbe's father, and I'm just thinking here, the Rebbe's father's brachas were effective for my friend. How could they not be effective for his own son and daughter-in-law? doesn't even make sense. Especially after everything that the Rebbe's father is writing, Kabbalah, Kabbalistically, it just makes sense that the Rebbe and the Rebbe have to become parents. So here's what I want to tell you, and this is on 
This is completely on my own accountability here. It's a thought. I'm sharing it with you. It doesn't say it explicitly here. But it's a thought for Chaf Av. The Rebbe and the Rebetzin were blessed not only with a child, but with many children. And we have to know that what does it mean a Rebbe and a Rebetzin, not just people we look up to, heroes, role models, leaders, all that, yes, but not just that. But a, but a father and a mother, and that we are the Rebbe's children. And that when the Rebbe said, Pesach is coming, go out and get the fifth son, it wasn't about outreach. It wasn't some movement, some organization for the strengthening of Judaism. It was a father speaking to his other children and saying, Kindelach, Yom Tov is coming up. And you have brothers and sisters who belong at our family table. This is not outreach. This is not some... Uh, this is not business. This is personal. But when the Rebbe said, go out and find that Ben Chamishi, find that fifth son and bring him to the Seder, that was your father telling you, bring your brother and sister who, are not, who don't even know they have a place at the table. Bring them to the table. Not make space for them at the table. Give them the space that belongs to them. They belong here. So for the Rebbe, this was very personal. This is family. I'll just share with you a thought, and now this actually has a source. The Rebbe says that the Alter Rebbe used to tell Baruch Mezhebuzher, you are the Balshemtov's biological grandchild, but I am the Balshemtov's spiritual grandchild. Baruch Mezhebuzher was the son of the Balshemtiv's daughter. So he was the maternal grandson of the Balshemtiv. And the Alter Rebbe used to tell Baruch Mezhebuzher, yeah, yeah, you may be the biological grandson, but I am the spiritual grandson. Now the Rebbe asks a question. According to Chassidus, a spiritual child or grandchild, you understand why the Alter Rebbe was calling himself the spiritual grandson, because his Rebbe was the Magid, and the Magid's Rebbe was the Baal Shem Tov. so my Rebbe's Rebbe is like my father's father, spiritual grandson. But the Rebbe asks a question, he says, according to Chassidus, this doesn't make sense, because we know the relationship between a father and a child is, to use the Chassidish expression, etzim, is etzim, is essence, and the relationship between a teacher and a student is only giloyim, revelation. It's not the thing itself, it's a glimmer of the thing. And he explains it with a very simple illustration. He says, a father gives his DNA automatically to his child. So that even potentials that a father never actualized in his own life, the son can inherit. Because the son doesn't inherit what the father actually revealed. The son inherits even the unrevealed essence, even unactualized potentials, because that's the nature of biological inheritance. That, and he explains that because the etzim, Chassidus explains a lot, that the etzim is dafka in Gashmias. That's why we're making a dirabatachtenim, that the physical world will eventually be the only place where infinity can be revealed. But the point is that the biological relationship of a father and a son, the son gets the essence of the father. In fact, he says there could be something, the Gemara speaks of a, of a chochem ben shaita, a wise man who's the son of a fool, and he inherited his wisdom from his father the fool. How is that possible? Because the if, if it would be his teacher a fool, then how could he become wise from a teacher a fool? But a father a fool? The father, maybe he was a fool, but he has 
DNA, he has potential of wisdom. He never used it himself for whatever reason. He didn't have the opportunity, whatever it was. But when he has a son, the son inherits all of the potential. And that's the nature of a father and son. A, a teacher and a student, in contrast, is a much weaker link. Because between a teacher and a student, first of all, the student only gets what the teacher manages to tell him. He doesn't get everything, only what the teacher actually manages to say. Second of all, even what the teacher says, the student doesn't hear it all. Even if he's pre present and he, he technically hears the words, but he, he interprets it how, subjectively, however he interprets it. So a father to a son is a real connection. A teacher to a student is very flimsy. So the Rebbe is asking a question. How is the Alter Rebbe saying that his relationship as the spiritual grandson of the Baal Shem Tov is a tighter connection than the biological relationship of Baruch Mezhebush? You hear the question. So the Rebbe's question. So the Rebbe answers and says like this. The truth is, if you're talking about a regular teacher and student, there's no question that a teacher-student relationship is incomparably weaker than a father-son relationship. And when I say stronger and weaker, I mean shared identity. That you receive your father's identity, even if he didn't teach you anything, you just automatically get it in the genes, in the DNA. A teacher, how similar are you going to be to your teacher? It depends how well you integrated his teachings, how well he transmitted the teachings. It's very, very relative. So, uh, the Rebbe says, you, you're, you're right. With a regular teacher-student, it's, it, it's incomparably weaker than a father-child relationship. You can't compare it to biology. You can't. They're just two totally different categories. However, that's when we're speaking about a regular teacher-student. But if we're speaking about a Rebbe, like the Baal Shem Tov, the Medrash Rabbah, Rus Rabba says, Tzadikim Demim Labeiram. Tzadikim resemble their creator. In what manner did Tzadikim resemble their creator? Just like Hashem gave us the Torah and he started the Ten Commandments with the introduction, Anoichi, I, and the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. Anoichi is an acronym, right? Ano Nafshi. I wrote myself and gave myself through the medium of Torah. That Torah is not a book written by Hashem. Torah is Hashem in book form. Right? So just like Hashem. He didn't write a book and give us his book. He gave us himself in his book. Tzadikim can do that too. They didn't just teach you their teachings. They gave you themselves, the essence of themselves, through the medium of their teachings. So that when you're connected to a Rebbe, a Tzaddik, then that is a closer relationship than biological DNA. So who are we more related to? Our biological family? Or the Rebbe. What I'm saying to you is that the Rebbe's father's brachas, and not only brachas, but his Kabbalistic proofs that this must be the reality. You know what it reminded me of? The Rebbe would often speak about on Lag Boimer that when, when they needed rain, instead of davening, normally you pray for rain, Rashbi, Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai, the author of the Zayar, he would learn that through his Torah, he could change reality the way that most other people would attempt to change reality through prayer. When I'm reading this, I'm reading how the Rebbe's father is stating the Torah reality, that this is what it has to be, and here's the significance, and here's the proof on this level, and this level, and here's the pattern, and it's so clear, you must become parents. So it's not only a blessing of what should be, it's a statement of fact, this is. So what I'm saying to you is, we are the fulfillment of this letter. 
We are. This letter is about us. You want to know how you came into being. You want to know where your life comes from. It comes from this letter. And when we find someone, another Jew, who doesn't even know that, that, that they're our brother or our sister, we find a Ben Hamishi, a fifth son or fifth daughter. We're making a family reunion. This is not outreach. This is not some international Jewish movement or organization. This is a family with a mother, with a father, a grandfather, a grandmother. So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one last story and then we'll... Uh, uh, wrap up over here. I'm coming from a retreat about a half an hour away from here in uh, Spider Lake. Guys, guys, none of you are from here. You don't know where Spider Lake is. I, I, don't know, I don't know where it is. I just know it took me a little over half an hour to get here. It's a parenting retreat. A bunch of uh, mothers learning how to be better parents. So we're speaking about parenting. And I was saying that parenting, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. So you can't just tell your kids a bunch of information. First, you have to establish a relationship that you're a trustworthy person. And then you can teach them anything. But first and foremost, show them that you care. And how do you show your children that you care? I mean, really, the spiritual way to do it is when you look at them and you see their their unconditional worth. You see them as a neshama, mamish. So you see your child as having this unconditional worth. And they feel totally safe and totally wanted and totally accepted and totally honored. Then you can teach them to do anything. I said, that's what the Rebbe did. When the Rebbe looked at you, you felt completely whole, complete. And that parenting is really to look at our children with the Rebbe's eyes, the way the Rebbe looks at us. How the Rebbe looks at us, we have to look at our children. So somebody said, that's very inspiring, but what does that even mean? Like, how, how do you do that? So one woman says, could I share a story? She says, when I was three years old, I was in Yechidus with my whole family. My whole family was in Yechidus. And uh, the Rebbe asked me, Three, three years old. Do you have your own pushke, your own tzedakah box? Now, the Rebbe had just mentioned the importance of every child having their own tzedakah box. And my parents were very careful. Whatever the Rebbe spoke about, they would do it right away. They were very particular about it. So the Rebbe asked the three-year-old, do you have your own tzedakah box? And the parents jumped forward and said, yes, yes, she does. We took care of it. Yes, she does. And apparently, that Eva wasn't really that interested in what the mother and father were answering. That Eva continued to focus on the three-year-old and again asked the three-year-old, do you have your own tzedakah pushka? And she said, I don't know. Now the mother and father just said, yes, she does have one. But the girl said, I don't know. Apparently, it was done for her. It was put in her room. Maybe her name was put on it. In fact, she said her name was put on it. But she didn't understand that that was happening. She didn't, that wasn't her experience. So the Rebbe opened up his drawer and took out a pushka. I just heard this story. I mean, I could even tell you who this is. I, this is somebody that I've known for years. She didn't give me permission to publicly tell the story, so I'm not going to share the name. But 
Nebuchadnezzar opened his drawer and pulled out a pushka and gave her the pushka and said, this is your pushka. And they gave her some money, not sure how much, and told her to put it in the pushka. And then the Rebbe said, you keep this pushka, and when it's full, bring it back to me. How can somebody who never raised children be that sensitive and that in tune with a three-year-old child? And to have that type of regard, that type of respect for the three-year-old. I don't want to hear what the parents say. The parents say, yeah, she has a pushka. No, no, no. What does the three-year-old say? Do you have your own pushka? I've asked your own. Do you have your own? And you don't know? Okay, now you do. Here is your pushka. And the Rebbe gave her a pushka. And, and this woman said that today, till today, she has two pushkas. The one that has her name on it, that her parents gave her, but she didn't know they gave her, and it was officially hers, but experientially that wasn't how she took it. And then she has the Rebbe's pushka that the Rebbe gave her, her own pushka. Now there's more to the story. When she was 12 years old, she became bas mitzvah. The, the, this girl's father insisted that she go in to the bar mitzvah yechidus. There was a bar mitzvah yechidus klalos, a group of bar mitzvah boys. About 30, 40 boys who all had their bar mitzvahs around that time went in together for yechidus. And this father said, What's the difference? Bar mitzvah, bas mitzvah, and he had chutzpah, and he fought with the secretaries, and he pushed his daughter in, and he got her in, and she said, I was so nervous, I was terrified, I'm 12 years old, 12-year-old girl, the only girl in the Rebbe's room, which is daunting enough, with this whole group of 30 boys, bar mitzvah boys, for a bar mitzvah yechidus, and I know I don't belong, oh, and in this yechidus, she brought back the full pushka that she'd been given when she was three and gave the Rebbe the money because the Rebbe said, when it's full, bring it back to me. I said to her, I said, by the way, I can't believe you. You know how many times you could have been in yechidus if you would have kept filling that pushka? <laughs> Every time you came to New York, you could I have the I have the return. At any rate, so she, returned the, she gave the money that was filled up in the pushka. And the Rebbe said a short sicha to the group. And she said that every single time the Rebbe said the word bar mitzvah, every single time the Rebbe would say, and bas mitzvah. Because it's not a room full of boys. Oh, and then one girl over there. If this is your child, and in fact, what do we know? What's a father? A father is one who relates to every single child as an only child. Baal Shem Tov said, Hashem loves every single Jew, like an old couple who had an only child in their old age. And we know that's what a father is. Because remember, Aviv is not 3 plus 12, it's three times 12, because each of the three Aves have to show up 12 different ways, as many different Shvatim as there are, however many tribes there are, however many children you have. You have to be there completely, 100% for each of your children. It's not like you have a child and you love them with all your heart, and then you have a second child. Oh, sorry kids, each of you are only going to get love from 50% of my heart. And if I have 10 children, each of you get 10% of my heart. No, there's something infinite about the power of a father's love, you can have 10 children, you love them all with 100% of your heart. Not mathematically possible, but we're talking about the neshama, we're talking about the soul, which is infinite. And a father is able to see the neshama of his child, and therefore it doesn't matter if it's a room full of boys and then there's one girl. No. <laughs> this girl is a world. This girl is infinite. And now it's bar mitzvah and bas mitzvah.
Now, I know you guys aren't parents, but you're counselors, and it's a similar job. Maybe even harder in a certain way because these aren't your kids. But the job of a counselor is to see the neshama, the infinity, the unconditional worth, the infinite worth of every single child. To look at them the way that Rebbe looks at you. To look at them the way that Rebbe looks at you. And to let them know that we all have the same father. And that the Rebbe's father's brachas are fulfilled in us. And that we're going to make our father proud and our mother. I mean, I'm sure you guys tell your campers all the time, right? The Rebbe's children. You guys, they still speak like that in Detroit camp, yeah? Yeah? Am I the guy bringing it to here? or You guys don't speak that way still? Okay. Of course, of course we do. Okay, so now you know it's not just a slogan. It's really, really, really serious. It's really real. Okay, so we should give our uh, mother, father, grandfather, grandmother lots of nachas. Okay.